everyone and welcome to Globalize Asia. Support for this podcast comes from Royal Beans Chocolates. Royal Beans is based out of Bangalore, India and specializes in Belgian chocolates infused with exciting flavors like masala chai, cappuccino, berry blast, walnut marble and many more. You can gift these special crafted chocolates to your loved ones in India by visiting their website www.royalbeans.in. Use the promotional code GLA10 to get 10% discount off your order. Thank you. Hi everyone and welcome to Globalization. The development of yoga can be traced back to over 5000 years ago. The early writings on yoga were transcribed on the palm leaves that were easily damaged, destroyed or lost. In spite the lack of written transcripts, yoga has grown organically out of India and embedded itself into the world's wellness regime. Our guest today is Divya Kohli. She is a yogini who gave up her corporate career to pursue the world of yoga. Let's find out her journey of discovering yoga and embracing it to become a yoga instructor. Hi Divya, welcome to Globalization. Let's start with a basic question which is uh, about yoga. Now, yoga, what I understand, is an art form that helps harmonize body, mind and spirit. But I, I must admit I don't really follow yoga on my day-to-day um, my exercise regime. I yeah. go to gym, etc. But yoga is one aspect which I don't follow. But if I have to research about yoga, yeah. there's so much information overload out there. Yeah. Um, including uh, the types of yoga out there. Yeah. I'll, I'll name a few. So Hatha Yoga, Ashtanga Yoga, Iyengar Yoga, Bikram Yoga, etc. And now these days you also got beard yoga, yeah. goat, goat yeah. dog, etc. <laughs> so let's start with the basic question. Um, what's yoga f- is for you? For me? Yes. Personally. Um, so yoga has evolved as... Have I evolved? That's for others to, to say. But yoga has evolved as I've practiced over the years which has been 20 years now um and what kind of yoga is that among those mm, it's it's um i can't box or right. categorize because i studied and trained in many of the practices you just mentioned hatha ashtanga ayanga and they each have um a focus which different differentiates a school of yoga usually from a lineage from a teacher but to try and give you um, a straight answer to your question. Um, I do, when I practice and teach or even think about yoga, try and remind myself of the essence of it. And the essence of it coming from what I've studied from the scriptures and from certain teachers whose life's work and even purpose has been to answer your question actually, to to study and unravel the yoga. So I get my source and my bearings of how I teach and what I teach and even why I do from the scriptures which will be translated and, um, but again, even by translators who I would have some faith in and then the teachers who, um, so I have, um, Hatha yoga is something I might say to someone I've not met or a friend if they say what yoga do you do just because hatha yoga does 
in itself inherently mean that when you practice yoga you're going to be doing some meditation you're going to be doing some breath work you're going to be looking at your inner life with your principles um, how you relate to the world and to yourself as well as the yoga postures right so it so happens that the, the term hatha yoga, hatha means sun, moon, ha is sun, da, moon. So the actual premise behind hatha yoga, you mentioned it's an art form, which you're absolutely right. Yoga is an art form. It's also science. Some might say and can argue, well, that it's, it's only a science. But the idea being that the process and practice of yoga brings together the polarities of life so ha and tha so if you can embody um, polarities you then find the equilibrium that's actually what hatha means but the the practice of hatha yoga um, as a school as a philosophy it tends to encompass meditation breath work um, how you move your body and lifestyle so you know people can relate to that as a as an um, even an ideology the Ashtanga Yoga, which I did when I was younger and for a few years, um, uh, uh, an Ashtanga teacher or yogi would say, actually, their practice is also embodying what I've just described, the Hatha does. But the Ashtanga has a very particular um, system on how you practice with your body. So it has a set of yoga postures, what we might call exercises, but postures done in a certain way, in a certain sequence, which is just repeated and repeated. And therefore, it is a very physical way of practicing yoga, no doubt. But those who practice Ashtanga regularly and for a number of years will say that that then leads to a sense of meditation and that you become more accustomed to your breath. Whereas, say, in the Hatha Yoga, you look precisely at breath, you look precisely at meditation, it's, it's kind of broken down and then the pieces are put together. And Iyengar Yoga, you mentioned, so... I'm sort of picking up on those three because in the world right now, those are the three schools or approaches to yoga, the most well-known. They're also, to coin a phrase, the fastest growing um, ways of practicing. The Iyengar yoga, which gets its name from the, the teacher BKS Iyengar, um, the guru, so a lot of these um, practices had a, have a guru. Iyengar yoga focuses very much on um, how you align your body. So in any pose, there's great focus on where each part of your body is and how it's set up. Um, but likewise, a dedicated Iyengar teacher or student will say, well, that's our way of finding meditation and composure. It's just that it manifests as this very strict and precise way of looking at the body. So when I say to you, I just call my yoga, well, even saying my yoga is, I feel strange saying my yoga, but I call what I do and what I um, engage with, feel affinity with yoga um, on a general sense. Well, a bit like, you know, how we've been raised will inform who we are now. I have had intense exposure to many schools of yoga and many teachers. Um, so that has in some way influence where I am now and will always do so. Um, but I have found, not deliberately, but through the years of study and practice, that I can't, I, I don't align to any of these schools specifically because I find them quite narrowing actually, personally. 
But what I find not narrowing and what I always find if I, if I go inside myself and think of yoga, where I feel most at home and most affinity with what it is and why I do it will be the ancient scriptures. Right. Well, um, <clears throat> that's interesting, the yeah. point that you mentioned about why you do it. Yeah. So let's let's take a step back before okay. you started teaching. Yeah. How, what attracted you to yoga initially? Yeah. yeah. And just even further, if I have to go further into your life, just for our listeners, where, where exactly you're from in terms of cultural background? Because okay. obviously you're British Asian. Yeah. But just tell us a bit more about yeah. your family and how you got into yoga. Okay. So how I got into yoga was didn't have anything to do with having discovered a book, a teacher, or research of, of, of yoga itself and then thinking, oh, I'll try that. Um, I fell into yoga. Uh, I hesitate to say by accident because there's anything by accident, but um, I was um, I was a news journalist at the time. I'd been a news journalist for a number of years, and that was actually... Um, a career and a um, an interest I had for a long time and and not that I identified myself fully as a journalist but that was my life and that was what I was doing and this is in the 90s and early 2000s and um, it was also a time when journalism was newspaper journalism anyway it was quite a hardcore field, industry um, where I'm going with that is that I was certainly not yogi uh, yogic like um, I was partial to the cigarette and the drink and the lifestyle that was very adrenaline fueled um, as well as then dedicating 12 hours a day to reporting on news events so very frenetic stress-filled life um, I had recently moved to in fact where we are now in Kilburn northwest London but a different place and the reason I mentioned that is I was coming home from my work the newspaper I was working for at the time and um, as I was walking home from the station, past a row of shops and a, and a bar and a pub, I saw some people in the street um, which ha who had um, yoga mats on their back. And this was before the whole yoga explosion and popularity. Um, so I didn't even know they were yoga mats. I knew they were exercise mats or something like that. It happened to be a sunny day, so they're actually carrying them on their backs and they're wearing t-shirts, just three or four people. And they were standing outside the pub I used to drink at. So as I walked past, I just said, hey, what, you know, what are you doing here? It looked like they were queuing to get in somewhere. And they said, oh, we've come for a yoga class. And I said, this is Powers Bar. This is like a music bar. And they said, oh, no, it's upstairs in the room upstairs. This, this lady runs a yoga class. And I went, oh, OK, that's a bit strange because this bar was really quite renowned for various things anyway it's not what we're here to talk about but anyway and um so I was about to walk off and I think I even did have a cigarette in my hand at the time they said oh you should come and try it and um I was like oh no what like barefoot hippies really it's really not me I you know and I don't even exercise let alone you know do that and they said no it's really nice the room she does it in is all candle lit and it's warm and we stretch and it wasn't the stretch bit that attracted me it's like oh warm candlelit room that sounds quite nice um you know I hadn't exercised since school and I just thought hmm and it's around the corner from my house so I said oh I'll think about it and literally you know stuffed out my cigarette was about to walk off and one of the chaps says oh no no stay come come and do it now it's almost as if like he knew that if if it didn't capture my attention now it might not happen and I said well I don't have any kid or anything they said oh we'll loan you a mat and someone said we'll loan you a t-shirt and you know whatever um, 
so I guess I just I just went with that I just said okay you know and I I always in my back of my mind I was like well if I don't like it, I'll just leave you know I had a certain level of confidence to, you know I'll do I'll just approach this however it arises so I went out we went up the narrow staircase you could hear all the people downstairs in the pub and music from the jukebox and things and then we're upstairs and they opened a room which actually was quite soundproof for, for Kilburn High Road and um I went in and it was a beautiful room. It's kind of in beautiful fragrance. And there's a tiny old woman in the corner. I shouldn't say old, should I? There's a tiny woman of a certain age in the corner in a leotard. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but she was sort of early 70s. Um, but, you know, she could have been any age, quite frankly. But um, And she was quite austere. So she wasn't one of these, like, modern-day yogas of, hi, welcome, you know, namaste. It wasn't like that, no. She, in fact, I don't even think she spoke to me. I think her eyes pierced and kind of she read me and was like, who is this intruder? But the the people who were queuing, they, you know, they brought me in. They were very kind and they lent me a mat. And I think I just wore someone's baggy jogging pants or something that barely fit. Um, I should say up until this point, um, probably like the, the next person street, I didn't have any understanding or pathway into yoga I had done I tested some Pilates I say tested I've done a couple of classes and thought that was good but you know a bit boring whatever and you know just gone back to whatever my lifestyle was so I didn't I didn't know what to expect I really hadn't any images in my head um I should also mention because it's kind of relevant perhaps to even our whole interview in some ways um the internet hadn't yet been well, I'm sure it'd been born, but <laughs> most of us didn't have access yet. I think I had a Hotmail account, but so where I'm going with that, it wasn't like, you know, you log on now on any social media and even if you've got zero interest in yoga, spirituality or anything, you can't, you know, turn away from it with all these images and ideas. So, you know, it's very, in, in a way, I'm really glad I just came into it open. Um, within five minutes of this class, I was in it. I was, I was mentally physically in it I I felt present I felt good um the, the class was an hour and a half um after the class I went home it was a flat show I was showing that I went I went back there I um um stayed in my head I woke up the next morning I went to the bookshop and bought three books um the next day I think I went to a larger store and bought some DVDs that's all related to yoga yes right. sorry yes some whatever i could find and um you know i know one of the books was quite amusing it was this woman in you know leotard and pink sort of headband whatever and just showing some yoga but whatever i could find because i didn't want to wait one week for to do my next practice i wanted to do it there and then and um it's not deliberate just how, how it happened i ended up studying and practicing pretty much every day from that day somehow in some form in fact i was very dedicated in those days so even with my hours and my job i found a way i just from the book copied the postures and then i'd go to gillies this lady's class once a week that carried on for about a year year and a half i moved away at that time from there then i started going to the yoga studios in, in right. london so clearly it was a mm. love at first sight or first experience yeah. with yoga well, for you yeah uh, can you point mm. at a specific thing that kind of you were drawn towards i mean I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's uh, yeah. the instructor itself or was yeah. it what was it mm. that you know you were it, sort it of was probably a combination of things um at the time 
Um, it was the feeling of being in my body and with the sensations and um, I probably did have a degree of flexibility. I don't remember thinking this is painful, which is what a lot of beginners do feel when I come to my class. I, um, but also that was a reflection on the way the teacher was right. teaching and had adapted things for me. I felt in flow, let's put it like that, in flow, which okay. we can all relate to in some you know, yeah. in areas of our life. Um, uh, yeah. And But what propelled me to then go th- by the books and the videos was probably a bit of my nature and personality, which is if I'm interested in something, I want to understand it. Um, I want to know why. So I'm, I'm quite bookish, I'm quite nerdish, always have been. So I would think it on reflection, that, that explained that side of it. And clearly I felt good, so I would do practice in the morning before work. Um, even as a yoga teacher, dare I say it, and I'm about to, I'm not, the greatest morning person <laughs> and those who know me would be like understatement um but somehow i had a motivation to get up a bit earlier before work and do these postures and then on the days when i couldn't or i was tired or it was very dark and wintry like it is now i would do it when i got home and it pretty quickly got to the stage whereby i'd be scheduling practices and even cancelling on social things just so i could you know, right. do some practice or read a book or something like that um, and obviously that was in direct contrast to you know what was going on in the other areas of my life sure. yeah so being in flow um, yeah finding it probably a fascination feeling good so um, definitely the senses were inspired you know so um, there was a there was a pleasure there which is good to entice someone new to yoga but as I Mm. gradually realize that's actually not what we want to be attached to and okay um, so let's let's discuss yeah. about when did you when did you thought that oh, i should mm. take this to a next level yeah. Yeah. and become a yogini yourself right so i never actually had that honestly and i'm putting my hand on my heart here um never had that thought of um i want to be a yoga teacher and you know now i'll be a yoga teacher um which is quite different to how it is nowadays where people do yoga and you know we have a phrase in west london where we are now that you know you, you can't walk to the end of the street without bumping into a yoga teacher right so um i'll leave that um, <laughs> aside for the <laughs> you can read into that whatever you like but um so but next level yeah that's a good way of putting it so i was doing these practices and then uh, more yoga studios were coming up, more gyms were coming up with classes. So I began, I'd say, in year two and three of having started, um, uh, having experience with different teachers and, and styles. Um, so I think I, yeah, that's when I got into the Iyengar. So year two to about year seven of my practice, of practice, I got into Iyengar, which is the, the really strict form of how and you practice and, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's strict in the way it's taught, it's strict in the way you do it, the teachers are strict, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, I thought at the time that, you know, that discipline was part of the, the yogic path. But anyway, what the, the question was going to... So so that, that did deepen, though, because yeah. you're learning new things and um, you, you're expected to be a very diligent and obeyant pupil when you do the Iyengar practice. Um, but it was about five years into regular practice, 
I, you know, the books and the, the, the internet now how I was born, you'll be pleased. <laughs> so, but um, I felt I needed to understand even more, but I did not have the thought of being a teacher. And I'll tell you why. Um, my understanding of yoga, and this is perhaps, and this might nicely ring in my cultural background here, but this is just a thought I had, was that you don't presume you can be as anything spiritual. You are asked by an elder or a spiritual teacher or sage to carry on a lineage when mm. they see or find you. Honestly, that's how I felt, and that's how I felt it was even working in the yoga industry until it had exploded. Um, it's a bit like martial arts, you know, and it's not just yoga, it's like, you know, um, so it, it wasn't even that I was resisting it, it was like, it wasn't wasn't an idea, but I still wanted to get more underneath it and find out the roots more. Sure. So I found um, a foundation course, for want of a better word, it was through an organisation that still exists, the British Wheel of Yoga, which was um, a part-time um, study course. So I did that on my weekends. So that for me was a step from just doing practice to formalized study and coursework. Um, and after I did that, I actually moved away from the Iyenga to the Ashtanga, um, which you might refer to as going to the dark side or the light side. So it's because it's such a contrast of outwardly how you practice and flowing movement, physical movement, right. build strength. You know, people breathe so loudly in the class. Um, it's a set sequence. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. No, maybe regularly for, yeah, just under a couple of years. Probably you were still just, working at the gym yeah, still then? Okay. Yeah. But the, the, the next step, what was going on there was gradually over the course of, let's say, seven or eight years, I'm still doing the day job, still doing my regular practice, but I'm exposing myself deliberately to different teachers, doing courses, doing workshops, doing trainings. I did my first teacher training six years into practice. So I did do a yoga teacher training course. So one might understandably say, well, you did a yoga teacher training course, of course you were thinking of it. And, and no, that was just because that particular course offered opportunity to learn more. Um, you know, which I hear a lot of people say, I have students and clients who say, how can I get more in depth into this? I don't want to be a teacher. So there's definitely scope out there if, you know, any entrepreneurs are listening to just have more of these, you know, mm. going in depth courses. But so this was happening anyway. But um, but I did leave the journalism, uh, not specifically because of the yoga. It was in my, uh, I think I'd reached my, I think I was almost 30 actually, um, just the pressure and the lifestyle was beginning to make me feel quite ill, sleep was disrupted, I didn't feel good, smile panic, this kind of thing. Mm. So um, is this coincidence that this coincided with the digital world exploding? I think not, because it affected the media industry like it has everything else. So the turnaround of news and expectation was just poof. Right. Yeah, it's doing my head in. So I went into journalism because I wanted to investigate, you know, big... Um, injustices and you know and then you're if you're being asked just to churn out five stories about you know yeah, people so reality hits against yeah. what you thought it would be yeah. yeah um so in fact i had some spells in book publishing social work charity work <laughs> the 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 line the common denominator there is trying to find something trying to find some purpose yeah just like i was looking for them so there I am through my work trying to find that and there I am in the night and in the weekends mm. finding 
maybe solace in kind of these ancient teachings that seem to provide something constant in this very otherwise fast beguiling modern world okay so i think this is in retrospect that's what i'm seeing what i can sure. go onto that i did three teacher <clears throat> trainings i think for i don't know but my um the the last formalized teacher training i did was in india right we're about in, in mysore right and mysore is very much um in the yoga industry in the yoga world um, connected to the ashtanga practice um, there's this institute there the the guru patabi joyce who created ashtanga yoga he, he certainly did and led the school and is behind the mass explosion of um you know the practice of ashtanga around the world that's in mysore people go from all around the world um to go there so when i say mysore people say think ashtanga but no mine wasn't this glorified famous uh, guru and um school that you know known around the world and you know up and down the lands where i studied was someone's garage <laughs> not that i knew it was that so i had um i'd quit um a good job um a nice place to live which is not easy to find in london oh and a long-term relationship um to go to mysore to do um, a six-month residential yoga teacher training course or, or to be in India for six months anyway. And part of that time was to do this particular course. Um, and then I was going to you know, continue my studies with another teacher there. But where I'm going with this is um, when I arrived, having given up the job, the flat, the relationship, um, wasn't quite what the impression was given on this school and teacher's website and communication. So it was it was a garage, it was um, mosquito infested. There were six of us in this tiny room, 45 degree heat for the duration of the course, which ran from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. six days a week. And I was by far the oldest one. I was probably twice the age of most, you know, these, these young people were traveling around the world in the course. Anyway, so um, <clears throat> that was an interesting time. It was a few months, I got very sick, I lost a lot of hair, but I passed and basically, long story short, I got my qualification as a yoga teacher and was wondering what to do next, was even pondering maybe just sticking around in India, there was nothing to come back for here in the UK. Mm. Um, but I did come back, it was a UK winter, it was very cold, I had no money, no place to live and um, all my friends have got married and we're doing quite well. Thank you very much. So I was like, <clears throat> I have to do something here. So I was looking to get back into the journalism. In the meantime, I thought from practical basis, okay, I'll start teaching some yoga. So that's how I got into the teaching yoga from a, I just need to do something to right. support myself. And um, I managed to find a class to teach within a few weeks of being back. And pretty much from the few minutes of teaching that class within a few minutes, things seemed to fall into place in a way they hadn't yet in my life till then. It just felt right. I think I mm. mentioned being in flow. It just, it felt like a calling that was being fulfilled and heard. Right. So clearly you now, it's a full-time job for you. It's yeah. a so-called a business. Uh, yeah. Would you call yeah. it a business? Yeah, I think yes. that's fair. Because, yeah. um, so you have, a, a, explain a little bit more about yeah. where do you teach and yeah. what kind of students comes to you, yeah. etc. Okay. Um, so just for the benefit of the listeners, that, that point of teaching the first class, that was um, 13 years ago. Right. So in that time, 
um, for a number of years from that point, I would just take the work. So I would teach in studios, clubs, um, and I, you know, I call it grafting like in any industry and it's the best way you learn. So the student and the class, uh, the context I was open to as long as I could get the teaching experience. But where I am now, and I'm sure this will evolve, um, structurally, so I run my own classes in um, an area of northwest London, Hampstead and West Hampstead, where I have a lease on a hall. So I run classes from there for adults. Um, I have private clients um, who find me somehow, word of mouth usually, um, and I go to their homes. And I'm very particular on who I'll teach, not, not for any ego sense, but it's got to really connect. Um, I do teach in a couple of London yoga studios. Um, I used to teach a lot in workplaces. Um, in fact, I'm teaching at Microsoft this week and next week, so there's a bit of that. Um, and I run workshops and retreats, and retreats are either weekend or week-long, or can be longer, of course. Um, um, sort of holidays, they can be very much holidays if you want them to be. They can be made as a as you would go on holiday. Is that the retreat bit? Yes, this is the retreat bit. Um, So, um, but the the, the retreat can run on a spectrum from a very um, austere removal from all busyness of life, distractions, phone, what have you, eat simple meal, be silent, to the other end of going to a hotel and spa and enjoy some yoga. That's something you plan and organize for your clients, whoever is interested in it, or Uh, you would pitch that as a concept to your existing client base? Correct, the latter. Right, okay. Um, I used to do a lot of those, but they're very time and energy intensive, so I do them just a little bit now and focus more on non-residential workshops and events in, in London mainly. Okay, I'm a bit curious about retreat bit. So mm. what is it that your clients mm. get out of it in terms yeah. of what is it that, you know, attracts them to try that? Okay, so on the client bit, because I think you mentioned what, what kind of student, and, and this again might interest your listeners. Um, one of the things that makes me feel most fulfilled in my life right now is who I get to meet and who comes to me through yoga. Right. Um, personally, I don't think you can stereotype or typify who they are but they tend to be between 25 and 50 they're they're doing all right in their work doing all right in other aspects of their life so they're not coming from a desperation or a seeking which i don't mean disrespectfully because often more than often people go to yoga because something's happened like a therapy and then they need it Mm. or or for exercise. Those are the two main reasons yeah. people often go to, which is great, you know, who you enter it, how you are there. Yeah. I find the people who've come to me in my classes and who are regular, and some of them have been regular for as long as I have. Seriously, I've got clients mm. who've been with me for, you know, nearly 12 years. I find that they've come because what they have isn't quite enough, or because they want some more depth to their existence, if that's not too grand. So that must be reflected in something I'm giving out, which mm. would be a true alignment because I get and didn't, I don't go to, I don't get up in the morning and do my yoga practice just because I want my body. Well, I, I've actually really honestly have got to a point where how, how I look is just, it doesn't even register. There was an element of that certainly in the earlier days of, oh, I'll be more toned and flexible. It, it just doesn't mm. register with me anymore. But it makes my, existence 
feel richer, more purposeful, more alive. Right. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people who, not just Western world, across the world, modern life, you reach a certain level of, I've got this, I've achieved this, mm. I've found this, I work on myself. It's still not quite cutting it. Yeah. I think on, on that note, I think it's, uh, it's amazing that insight into yoga and you know yogini it's been yeah. it's amazing for um, a lot of people who are curious about yoga and I, what i understand is yoga is such a personal thing and yeah. everybody would have a personal journey uh, into some aspect of whether it's an exercise mm-hmm. whether it's getting a meditation out of mm-hmm. it whether it's uh, um, you know coming out of a depression or whatever yeah. you know yeah. whatever uh, factors of your life that you are seeking yoga to help you with so Again, all I can do is um, a big thank you for your time today and, and appreciate uh, all, all your um, effort into explaining yoga from your perspective. So thank oh. you very much. Hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. You can catch all upcoming episodes on the website globalize-asian.co.uk or via your iOS or Android devices. Also, if you wish to join us as a speaker and share your story, please do drop us a message via the contact form on the website.